It's always an opportunity to come and encourage people as I go and travel different churches. One of the things that I've been asked this uh, evening is to give you a little update on what we do, but also it will be an eye-opener mission session. I hope you have come with an open heart and mind and you want to be challenged by what you hear, what you see, and what you process as you hear, uh, because uh, we all have been called to do a greater task. And many times I find myself, I'm so limited to what I can do alone, but when I get this opportunity to bring other people around me and encourage, uh, I'm encouraged that there are people who are willing to do what God wants them to do. And I know there are a lot of you are here. You've been asking God question, what you want me to do this year or in coming years? Hopefully, this would be a challenge to commit your life to do something great for God. I remember as, uh, when I was growing up in the Lord, I came to know the Lord when I was 17 years old. And a lot of books that I picked up was uh, missionary stories. And some of the great ones, Hudson Taylor, William Carey, and David Livingston, and many others. But uh, it is said about William Carey when he was preaching from Isaiah 52, as he preached, he, he used that uh, a, a quote that is now quoted all over. And he said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. So all of us are encouraged in that. And he said what is two, 200 years ago. And it is true today because we serve the same living God. And uh, I hope this session would, uh, would change you, challenge you. That's my goal as I present this ministry uh, to you. Uh, it would include what God is doing in India, but it would also include what God wants to accomplish in the countries where we have no idea and uh, how we go about doing God's work. But I know when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he knew exactly about this time and this hour and about our time because some of the excuses that a lot of us can make, uh, we might find some uh, justification for our, uh, for our excuses, but my desire is that none of us would have excuses because Christ knew when, before, even when he gave this commission to the church. And uh, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. My life verse, I have, I have quoted many times here, if I had come, uh, a few times when I have come here, and other places, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it is the power, there's no other power that can change, transform, bring salvation to mankind. And there's nothing else. Uh, gospel is foolishness to some, and for some it's a stumbling block. So even when we know that, God, we still have to preach the gospel. We cannot invent anything new. We have to do what we have been asked to do. And so with that introduction, with that on this uh, premise, I want to build my whole case that I would share this hour. And I hope that you would 
that's our family, but this picture has been taken a few years ago, so we are going to update, because my, our kids always say, oh, that's seven, six years ago. That's how they look. But Sharon is here, Joshua is not here. Joshua is, is currently in Chicago working, trying to save up money for his college. And my wife, Molly, is here, and uh, we have such a good relationship with this church because very first time when Molly had kidney transplant, it was Carlos, our dear friends from this church, and uh, uh, who donated kidney to Molly. So, uh, and I was telling Pastor Jason, uh, when we first came to Faith, even before we moved to, uh, to the f- campus of Faith Baptist Bible College, uh, we were allotted an apartment, and this church actually helped to furnish that apartment. When we came, it was all furnished. And at that time, I didn't know anybody here in this church, but this church had so much uh, uh, in our life. And, and when we first started our deputation, we were not even on deputation. We just started talking about going into the missions, and this church took us on support, uh, knowing that we needed some funds to start a journey. Of faith, and uh, we are so thankful and grateful. It's been almost uh, 19 years in July that uh, you have been supporting us. So, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for uh, uh, for supporting us. And many of you have told me that you have prayed for us, and many of you still tell me that whenever I visit or meet you, that you are praying and. Uh, I, I can echo with Lisa and Lauren that if, you, if somebody is going out for mission work, the greatest thing that anybody covet is prayers. If you're surrounded by prayers, then you can accomplish a lot. And uh, that's how we partner in, uh, in the ministry. So we're thankful. So I take this opportunity to say thank you very much for supporting us. And when I talk about India... Uh, sometimes I'm being a little selfish because I come from that country, but it's not. Uh, when you think of God's commission, uh, it's not that because I'm from India and I love my people of India. You are from U.S. And you, and you can say, oh, I love my country. To love, you need a supernatural ability to love people. We, don't, we cannot love people on our own. The only people that come to our mind when we love is maybe uh, somebody who's very close to us, our friends. But then if you're going to serve the Lord in any country, even in your hometown, in your home city, even in your home country or wherever, you have to ask God, give me that supernatural love so that I can love people and uh, I can share gospel. So the very first thing is needed, it's love. And you cannot fake that love. And so I cannot go to somebody, I love you, because people will know whether I love them or not. So you have to ask, Lord, help me to love my own people. Even if they are my people, if they speak my language, if they're not my people, if they don't speak my language, Lord, help me to love them. Because it's not easy, and you all know that. It's not easy to love your next door neighbor. Even when he speaks your language and when he's from your own place. It's not. So God has to give you that supernatural. In India, is right. when you think of a globe, it's the other side of the globe. So when you face globe on your side, you can see U.S. So right now, it's early morning. And they're getting ready to get up from the bed and we are ready to go to bed. So it's the other way around. But 
with India. Uh, it's, it's big on my heart, and, but among many things, what I want to highlight when I go into churches is to highlight this part of the world. It's called 1040 window countries. And uh, some of you have heard that, that, uh, that, uh, that name, 1040 window countries. It's just at 10 degrees north of latitude and 40 degrees south. Uh, uh, that's the countries that fall into that window. There are 69 countries. And it is called majority world majority wall. And I'm going to tell you why I would highlight in my uh, presentation uh, 1040 window countries. Because if we're going to accomplish anything for the Lord, if we haven't reached these places, we haven't done much. It's been 2,000 years since we have got the Great Commission. But when you think of the, all the data that we have, all the numbers that we have, uh, it will shame us because we haven't done as much as we uh, need to or we were supposed to do. Uh, this is called two-thirds of the world's population. Uh, 40 degrees north and 10 degrees north of equator. And it's a Satan stronghold. That's where all the major, strong, powerful, fanatic groups come out. And they're all anti Christ, anti-Bible, and uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, which is Muslim, animist, atheist, it's the whole group of people that are found in two-thirds of the world's population. And two-thirds of the world population lives in that 69 countries. Out of 200-some countries, it's 69 countries that has to be focused. I've been going into the churches and telling church people that if we are going to do a mission in 21st century, we have to rethink missions. I have been, even if I had to speak at my own mission board, I have to tell them, rethink mission, because some of the things we've been doing it for years and we think we're doing it, and that's how we are supposed to do it. But now, as the things have changed, and a lot of things have changed, we need, need to rethink missions, how we go about reaching more people uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, because uh, we, if we are going to be obedient to the Great Commission, we cannot neglect that, this part of the world. And this is how it would look like. It's painted red. And these are India, of course, one of the countries in 1041 window countries. Uh, I have some proposal to submit to you uh, tonight. And I, I hope you would pray about it and you rethink a, a mission at your church uh, as you do missions in days to come. Uh, 10 degrees south and 10 degrees north of equator, there are 69 nation across Northern Africa and the Middle East and Central Asia, and they're called 1040 window countries. Nearly four billion people. But if I have to update that number, it would be a little bit more than four billion people that live in, six, uh, in 69 countries. 90% of the world's poorest of the poor live there. 1.6 billion, I would have to put that number to 2 billion somehow, because that's, uh, uh, every day we get new data and numbers, maybe 2 billion people out of 7.4 billion people in the world have never heard the gospel once. There's a missionary from Sri Lanka. He said, uh, when you're trying to feed 
lot of hungry people on the street. Uh, you don't want, this is how you would feed them. You would, like, you would, you would uh, give out a lunch packet to every one of them, but you would ask people to wait for seconds because you want to give out everybody at least one chance to have that lunch packet. But you would not, so, but he said, when it comes to gospel, there are people, there are countries where they have received not only once, they have got their 10, 20 times of that. But then there are people who have not, never got one packet, one lunch, one time uh, opportunity to hear the gospel. As a church, as the body of Christ, that should really uh, make us wonder or, uh, or have, uh, should uh, humble us or... Uh, break our heart that there are people in this world who have not heard, heard the gospel once. And I was amazed when I was collecting this data as, uh, for my study and uh, as I go about telling people because I never thought there are still that many people who have not heard the gospel. Even with all that modern we live in an information age where we have all that modern ways of uh, transmit uh, messages. And even then, there are almost 2 billion people who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is, the, this, is my, uh, this would be a little updated one. Approximately 4.95 billion people resides in this 10, 1040 window countries. 4.95 billion people. 8,593 distinct people groups. And that's when, when we think of ethnos or groups of people because we have this uh, beautiful picture in Revelation where people of every tribe, language, nations will gather together and sing unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that, that's a beautiful picture, but then we have, we have so much uh, to do. Uh, so I'm go I want to challenge you to pray for these people, these groups, that God would send people, missionaries, and maybe a way of reaching these people with the gospel. And uh, 5,901, which is 68.7% of these people are considered unreached. That's a gospel term, uh, a mission term for unreached means there have been no way of contacting them or reaching them with the gospel or setting up some mission center in that groups. That is almost 3.5 billion when you, when you make an unreached people group. And that's a 62% of the individuals in 1040 window uh, live in an unreached people group. And that's a huge number. I, I like numbers, so I'm throwing numbers at you. But you may not like those numbers, but numbers just help us to pray and think. Uh, and it allows us to consider uh, what we are called to do as a church, as the body. 1040 window is a home to some of the largest and rich people groups in the world that you have to understand. Again, the numbers, if you're a people of numbers, you know why? Uh, it's 865 million unreached Muslims uh, in 3,330 cultural subgroupings. 
550 million unreached Hindus in 1,660 cultural subgroups, and so on. Those numbers are there just to help you to see how, much, how many people groups we have to reach in days to come if, uh, if the Lord should tarry. Uh, and I would see if I have... I would take... I had another slide that I think I didn't put it there, but it says... When it comes to world mission, this is how we do our world mission. It's less than 10% missionaries from all different mission groups would ever go to 1040 window countries. Less than 10% missionaries would ever choose to go into 1040 window countries. People who would come this year through the door of your church and in other places it will be one out of 10 would ever tell you that they are going into 1040 window countries. $2 or less than $2 are spent to reach two-thirds of the world population with the gospel. 98 out of $100 which are spent on missions are spent elsewhere. And that's why we have this big gap that two-thirds of the world's population still need to hear the gospel. And there, there are reasons why many missionaries don't go into 69 countries because some of them are closed countries. Some of them have a very uh, rigid uh, laws and uh, very terrible regimes and they would not allow uh, missionaries to come into that group. Or many of these places are not very comfortable. And many of these places are not where you would want to take your family to preach the gospel. They're not so comfortable. There are a lot of opposition, persecution, and you may have to give up, give up a lot of things to reach those people. And so 90% missionaries or more would choose to go to other countries. And so if we keep doing missions like that, if I come back here after 10 years, I would be giving you the same picture because we haven't changed anything. We are doing the same way for the last 200 years. And our focus has now been into, into a places where gospel is already there. So uh, I would challenge you this year to rethink mission. If you're going to put your money, if you're going to spend uh, your resources, spend resources in reaching that two-third parts of the world. Majority world. 4.95 billion people with the gospel. So I hope uh, that would help you to rethink mission. I wanted to put that number. Uh, India is, of course, one of those countries that is considered a part of a 1040 window countries. It's 1.3 billion people in that country. Uh, missionaries have, uh, have come to India in the past, but India is a close country, so no longer missionaries can go into India. And uh, we, Mali and Ahaya, have privilege because we were born in that country. 
uh, and we can go back and reach people with the gospel. Our goal is to train nationals and plant churches. And uh, we're, we're f- focusing on India, but f- India is a big country, so our focus is it's really northern part of India where uh, majority part of, uh, majority people in that part of India speak Hindi, and we, uh, we, our target group is Hindi-speaking people in northern part of India. Uh, Hindi-speaking people, there are 422 million people who speak Hindi. So in fact, it's the third largest spoken language in the world. So our target group is much, much bigger. Uh, and so uh, Hindi is our mother language, mother tongue. Molly and I speak Hindi. So that's one of the reasons that it, it allows us to focus on that group. Historically, very few Hindi-speaking people have ever come to know the Lord because most of the mission work have been done in South or Northeast part of India. So I would encourage you, uh, to pray for us as we reach this part of India, uh, which is called northern part of India, almost eight to ten states that we are focusing on. Right now we, are, we have five church plans going on this year. We want to open five new fields. We have, uh, we have trained 14 people in the last four years and graduated them from our training institute to go into the mission field. Our goal is to uh, open 10 fields every year. By 2020, we want to have 30 new fields. By 2030, 300. And so we want you to partner with us in, in prayer as we seek to open th- some of these fields in northern part of India uh, through our training institute, which is called North India Baptist Seminary. And uh, we always take a team of people with us, and you're welcome to join us. When we go, I'm going tomorrow to India for four weeks, and I'll be uh, teaching there uh, for next three weeks. And I have another pastor friend of mine from Wisconsin who's traveling with me. And so pray that God would uh, use us mightily as we go. And uh, also we're going to survey two new fields to open up uh, with with our church planters. Because we know planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. So the only way that you can reach people is to plant churches. And that's what we want. That's our uh, small church that we planted and uh, a building where our church meets. And we have outdoor uh, baptism tank. And last time, and when I was there, I had opportunity to baptize. And so uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to share the gospel and seeing people coming to know the Lord. Uh, every time we train somebody, we train them so that they become a church planter and local church planters need $300 per month. Anytime we find people who can support, we ask them to go into the field. Meanwhile, uh, we would like you to pray for us that God would raise people who could support some of our local church planters. Our vision is to plant 300 churches and train 300 local leaders by 2030, and you can be a part of it. And by prayer, uh, we have our prayer cards. You can ask if you, uh, us if you need one of our prayer cards. And you can follow us on Facebook. 
And, uh, and if you want to get our prayer letters, uh, it's easy to join our mailing list. If you have a smartphone, you can text uh, John's India to 22828. And this is your opportunity at the church. You can use your smartphone and, and uh, just sign up for our prayer letters. Thank you. Thank you, Henry. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Want to sit down? Yeah. yeah. Hey, can we keep that slide up for just for the next couple minutes? Henry, wow, <laughs> the numbers are overwhelming. Your passion, by the way, is, is overwhelming also. Um, so thank you so much. Thank I you. just actually met Henry this last week, but so many of you said, we've got to have Henry come and share what God is doing uh, in the 1040 window and how we can better be involved in serving in the 1040 window. And so God, in his timing, worked it out so that you could be here this evening. And I love how you said that. If, if, if you want to go with Henry, that's great. Now he's leaving tomorrow, so yes. go home and pack your bags. But yeah. uh, you go several times, and um, that's a great ministry that you have. Now listen, three billion, I think, is what you said, of unreached people in that 1040 window. Now, several of them are coming to the United States. We, we work with Muslims. Our kids go to school with, with Hindu friends, and we live in neighborhoods with Muslim and Islamic people and Hindus and, and animistic people. How do we share the gospel with them when they're coming to our neighborhoods? We want to love them. What's the best way to share the gospel with them? And uh, that's another class that I offer to people in the local churches, effective methods to reach Muslims and Hindus in your neighborhood. And as I travel to churches, because a lot of our seminaries are training pastors, we have no idea how to reach those people group. I get called from different pastors to say, hey, we, we want to reach this person or this person. How do we go about doing it? But uh, the best thing that I was sharing with you other time is that one of my friends in, in Iowa City, who was a pastor, called me. He said, I have, a, I have somebody from, Iowa, from um, that medical university or uni studying medicine there started coming to our church. I have taken him a couple times to, to drink coffee with me, but he's not open. What should I do? I said, well, when you take people from, for coffee, uh, they may not be open because they would think you just want to have some acquaintances with them, some friendship, but you don't want to really be real friend to them. So I asked uh, uh, that a friend of mine to invite that man to his home and invite him for tea or a food or some meal. And, and so that's what he did. And he said, the moment I invited him over to my house, he was a different person. He would not talk much at the coffee shop. Now at my house, when I invited, that person seems to be altogether a different person. I could start talking to that person and start sharing gospel with them. And over a period of time, that person came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal savior. And uh, he... He, he graduated from medical school, became a, a doctor, uh, and then he's now a deacon in one of our churches. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just how you show your love to them. Be open, embrace them. Yeah, I love that. When, when Henry said, you know, God, give, uh, give me a love for our people, um, our people look look different than you and me sometimes, and we need to ask God to love people even that look like us. And so people coming from the 1040 window, we need to ask God, 
God, help me love people. Help me love them enough to share the gospel with them. Help me love them enough to have them into my home and be real with them. I love that story that you told me this last week. Now, you were also telling me, Henry, this week that when someone becomes a Christian in India, specifically, and although, although it's probably true in many of those 1040 window countries, um, it's not as easy or as accepted as it is here in the United States in our gospel saturated culture in some ways. What happens when someone accepts the gospel and then begins to proclaim it in India? In, in India, when you become a Christian, I was telling pastor, either you become a Christian or you, you don't become a Christian. Yeah. There's no middle ground there. When you become a Christian, you're a Christian and you understand the consequences. Your family would, uh, would ask you to leave the place. Your town would ask you. You would be castrated. You would be, uh, you would be asked to leave the town. You, you, you may have to risk a lot of things. You may, leave, you may have to risk your job. People may not give you, if you're working at a place, they may ask you to leave the place of work. So in India, when you accept Jesus Christ and embrace Christ, you're also willing to pay the price for that. Mm. But that, what, what it gives to us, it gives us very genuine uh, converts, genuine people coming to know the Lord. And uh, uh, it, it's such a joy to see people are willing to sacrifice, willing to give up uh, things that we cherish here in this country, and they were willing to give up for the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, our high schoolers came back from Sub-Zero, their winter retreat, with this statement, the gospel is free, but it may cost you everything. And it reminded me of the stories that you were telling me. Henry, tell, tell us a little bit about your strategy. You talked about it briefly, but how to plant churches in bigger cities, how to invite men into that mission and that strategy, and then send them out into unique cities individually so you're not um, providing two lunches for someone instead of one lunch for two people. Well, it uh, st that strategy can be actually uh, used anywhere in the world. But in our case, uh, we don't go out, give out tracts to people because we find that you hand out tracts and then you find them laying on some street corner or in the dustbin. Uh, well, we find that it would be good to go into a town. Uh, but we, in our strategy, we normally don't send mission, uh, our church planters into a small town. In India, if you send them in a small town, they would be chased out of that small town. But we ask them to be in a city where it, the population of that town would be more than 50,000 people, and which, which doesn't mean we neglect small towns. We, uh, we get our people into a big town, and then we ask them to go into, into small towns be in a shop, tea shop, sit down there, just go there and be there every day so that you would make contact with people. And you would get to know the tea, uh, tea shop guy. You would get to know in some other places where you walk, you uh, join some kind of a group and do some kind of work so that people know who you are. And then come back to your city because in big city, people don't care who you are. And uh, in a small, but... Uh, you have to have at least five families before you move into that small town as a pastor. So you have to pray and then invite people over for Bible studies. And Bible study method, a small group Bible study method is the best way to plant churches. 
Now, now we're hearing this and thinking, wow, that's 1040 window stuff. This is dynamic stuff. But, but what I'm hearing is it's not all that different than what we should be doing here. It's not all that different than the strategy that we might have here, right? Yes. Even here in the United States, I think it's good to open your house if you want to reach hearts of people. Ah. Uh, if you want to reach the hearts of people, you have to open your house. And... Uh, there's something about being at somebody's home and become friend. And then you can reach their heart. And that's what we have found in our culture. Once you invite somebody to your house, you can share anything with that person. As long as you take him out for something, they would think, okay, our friendship is limited. But the moment you invite people over to your house, you can tell them anything and, they will, and you will earn their trust and they would believe you. Wow. Henry, a lot of young people, a lot of what, what we might call millennials in India, how, how, how can Indian believers such as yourself or how can others partner with you to reach young people in India specifically right now? Uh, and yes, that's true. It, it's considered one of the youngest countries because we have the largest number of people who are between 18 to 28 in India. Uh, it number goes into millions. And uh, the best way to reach those young people is to help them understand uh, the satisfaction because you find these people looking for something that will satisfy them. Mm. And uh, we have to make uh, gospel and the Christianity uh, so attractive to them. Attract, I'm not saying you have to add something, but which, which satisfy them. And uh, it's your testimony, the way you have found joy and peace in Christ. So uh, we, always do, we always do what uh, do with our young people is to have them come for uh, some kind of uh, get-together in homes and help them to have time with us and, uh, and hear them. Uh, many times we want to teach them, but many, uh, it's good to hear them first, even before we start interacting, because they will tell you their struggles, they will tell you what they want. Once you know them, then it will be easy for you to cater to them, and that's what I do. I sit down and hear them, and uh, that allows me to go and help them and minister to them. Mm. That, that's key for us too, right? I sat down and heard them, and that allows me to go and minister to them. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We say that often here as well. Henry, th this has been amazing. Thank you very, very much. I'm going to ask John Nemers. John is part of our missions team. John, there's a microphone right there on that front um, chair that I forgot to bring up with me. John's part of our missions team and actually is a good friend of Henry's. And John said, you've got to talk to Henry. And I'm going to ask John to close our time here in praying for Henry and Molly as well. John? Yeah, I'm not as loud as my dad, so I should probably use the microphone. No, Lord, uh, I do thank you for Henry. I thank you for the Johns. I thank you for his heart, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would give us a heart like, like Henry, Lord. I he challenges me every time that I talk to him. I uh, remember meeting with him, with him once, and uh, he said, Brother John, I want you to pray for 100 souls when I go to India. 100 souls. And it's just so challenging just to see his heart for the gospel, just to see his heart for souls to be saved, Lord. I just pray that 
we could emulate that here in the United States, Lord. And uh, he challenges me every time he talks, even just inviting somebody into your home just to show that you actually care about them, Lord. I just pray that we would emulate that here, Lord. But I pray that furthermore, we could emulate that when we think about the 1040 window, Lord. Uh, um, I know that a lot of us might not be able to go there, but I do pray that if there are missionaries in these countries, I pray that you would raise them up in the 1040 window and that you could raise up future leaders to spread the gospel in these closed countries like India. I pray that you could raise up leaders in the seminary that Henry is uh, serving in and raising support in and teaching in, Lord. I pray that you just raise up these leaders, these great Indian leaders and northern India specifically, and that the gospel just spread like wildfire, and that souls would be saved all over the world, and that I pray that as he goes to India tomorrow, that he would, in four weeks, see a hundred souls, if not more, Lord, be saved. We don't want to stamp our stakes in the ground too few times. I do pray that we would be zealous for the Lord with knowledge, but I do pray that we would be zealous and then desire great things for you, Lord, because Unless we're praying about it, Lord, we're not going to see it happen because who knows? Who knows what you could be willing to do if we just ask? And then we go as Henry's going, Lord, and he's seeing men be, uh, be used greatly there, Lord. So I do pray that you would continue to raise up young men, young women in the mission field, specifically in the 1040 window, specifically in northern India, um, and then, Lord, where there are no missionaries, I know that there are unreached places, and um, I think the best place to see that is the joshuaproject.net, Lord, and there, there's so many, uh, that website just talks about so many areas in this world that have just, they don't have the gospel in general. It's not that there's no missionaries there, they just don't have the gospel. Lord, I do pray that you would uh, find a way, Lord, because we know that your sovereign hand, that it is possible, and you make it possible, Lord, that the... The end of the worlds will be reached with the gospel. I do pray that you would uh, um, raise up leaders here in America, Canada, England, anywhere, Lord, that would just find their way into these countries and, again, plant churches. Like Henry said, it's one of the most powerful ways. I do pray for Henry's family. I pray for his dear wife, Molly, Lord. I pray that you continue to heal her, Lord, and... Uh, I do thank you for uh, even the people here at Sailorville, like Carlos Adami. My goodness, it blows my mind. He taught me how to swim <laughs> when I was a child. And uh, um, it's just very encouraging. Lord, I pray for Sharon. I pray for, um, uh, I'm forgetting, Jacob? Joey. Jo Joseph? Joshua. Joshua, sorry, sorry. That's Joshua. Lord, I do pray for his children. I pray that they would grow up to be uh, uh, men and women of God. Um, and just continue to uh, strive after you as Joshua goes into college and Sharon gets married here, Lord. Um, Lord, we love you. Your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. Thank you so much, Henry. We appreciate you. you. Praise Thank the Lord. Thank you. you. <clears throat> hey, uh, I love that quote. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from right. God. Right? Yes. You have prayer cards that yeah. will help us remember to pray and how yeah. to pray. Yes, and if you need, I'll bring some of them and hand it over to you. Just ask me. Okay, thank great. You. Thank you. And thank you, folks. It's been a great evening, hasn't it? Some great examples. Hey, listen, Henry's amazing. Molly's incredible. These two ladies are doing some crazy cool things, but God is extraordinary, isn't he? These are ordinary people doing things for an extraordinary God, and that 
That's all of us, really. Let's never lift up Henry on a pedestal. That's not what he wants. We want to worship God through all this. Thank you, folks. Thanks. Have a great evening. Go get your kids.